0: Hey, thank you for tuning in to The Fountain Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you and helps you to see Jesus clearly, love Him deeply, and follow Him wholeheartedly. Let's dive in. It's been pretty interesting uh, this last week. We've been talking about a fast pace but a slow heart, and we've been really fighting for that over this last week. and. I can honestly say I've been getting up extra early to be with Jesus, and it's been great on my soul, terrible on my body. But um, but we had our staff our staff little Christmas gathering on Friday Friday night, and you know it was always what it is special, meaningful, fruitful. You don't have to turn me up too loud. Um, special meaningful fruitful and and we we went a little late. it was about maybe i don 't know maybe eleven o 'clock, but we love each other, we just don 't you know work together, we do life together, right. and um <clears throat> so you know you come home from a night like that and and you just want peace, you want to get into your bed, and uh, some of you guys i 'm going to put you to sleep with my voice this morning, so pay it. attention but you 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 want to just kind of go in the house, put your stuff down, get settled, peacefully snuggle into your bed and go to sleep. The problem is I have, I have dogs and I have big dogs. This is my big boy. And um, before we go to sleep, I have to take them out to use the restroom. So going to the garage and I realize in the crate that this guy has left me a present A diarrhea present. Yeah, let me show you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. And you know how many guys know at that moment? There's no peace. I don't like dogs at that moment. Yell at God maybe once or twice. But there's just no peace, and we all want peace, don't we? I've of the message today, Sleep in Heavenly Peace. We all, we all want peace. Now, the Bible speaks about peace in three different ways. A spiritual peace between God and man, a psychological peace, meaning peace within, and then also a relational peace, which is peace among mankind. Now, sometimes we don't realize that the meaning of peace. We think of it as a feeling. I just want to feel Peaceful. But the Bible defines peace a little bit differently. It defines peace as totality, completeness, tranquility. It, 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 it's this broad term, it, it includes fulfillment, maturity, soundness. So it's not just a feeling of ease. It's 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 being whole. The word shalom it it means a wholeness, a fullness, and we all want it. All of us want peace, and it feels like sometimes everywhere we turn, there's messes, there's issues. Something is going wrong. Something is trying to rob that peace. But here's the good news. The good news is God wants you to have peace. Like God really does. In fact, Colossians three fifteen says, "Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts." Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. So, so God not only wants it for you, he, he commands it. He says, I want it to rule and reign. Can I just propose to you today that a life lived well is a life that's peaceful, mm. filled with peace, mature, whole, sound, totality, complete. And so he said, he's saying, listen, I want you to, I want you to let peace rule in your hearts. Now, now this word rule is where we get like an umpire calling shots, like in the original language, it literally means calling shots in the midst of conflict, conflict and contending forces. Let peace be the arbitrator. Let peace rule in that way. And so Christmas points us to this beautiful reality. In fact, 700 years before Jesus came, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now, this was written 700 years before Christ came on the scene, it was written as a prophecy. Of God letting us know and promising the Savior to come, the Messiah to come, where he would be born, how he would live, that God would step in, out of eternity, into time, into our darkness, that his light, his marvelous light would shine upon our hearts. Now, it's interesting because in the Old Testament, there's over 300 prophecies that speak of the Messiah to come, over 300 of the Savior that God had promised. Where he would live, how he would die, where he would be born. And one of the things that I always have to point out when we're talking about prophecies in regards to the Savior, the Messiah, or the, or the, the Christ, the Christos to come, is, is the probability of one man fulfilling all of those prophecies. And you guys have heard me say on several occasions that there was a gentleman a researcher, last name is stoner. And he wanted to do what we would call a quantitative analysis. And, 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 and he did it on just 48 prophecies. What is the probability of one man fulfilling just 48 prophecies? And his conclusion was it would be one to the 157th power, meaning one with 157 zeros. What he was saying was it would be impossible. It would be absolutely impossible. The amount of electrons predicted in the universe right now is 10 to the 79th power. So what he was saying was not only is it impossible, but it's not even probable, unless you are the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. So Jesus did not just fulfill 48, but he fulfilled every single one. Like, how do you predict where you're born? Like, how do you do that? And the circumstances surrounding. He is the true prince of peace. Now, when we think about prince, sometimes we think about the young guy on the scene. Coming up, up and comer, but that's not the word in the Hebrew. The word in the Hebrew is where we get the word sar. S-A-R. Which means chief, ruler, general. The one calling the shots. Like, the one in charge. And so, as history would unfold, this is where the Romans get their word, Sar, C-Z-A-R, which would later translate Caesar. And so, so what the prince of peace, the, the prince of what? The prince of tranquility. He is the captain of rest. The general of contentment he is the king and the ruler of ease he is the lord of wholeness great, great and so that that's the the big picture that i want you to get today is that peace isn't just something that jesus offers jesus is peace and so if i want to do a message on peace i just do a message on jesus because if you have him you'll have it if you have him you'll have access to all of that maturity completeness wholeness fulfillment all of it and the bible speaks so clearly about this romans chapter five therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ so what he's saying is we're justified meaning it's not by our own works or strength but by his work on the cross we have peace through him what about psalms 4 8 in peace i will lie down and sleep for you alone lord make me dwell in safety So many people today, they're looking, they're paying, they're burning bridges, they're burning out, trying to discover, only to be disappointed because it's Christ alone that allows us to lie down in peace and in safety. Ephesians chapter two, but now in Christ Jesus You who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Like, it doesn't get any clearer than that. And this is why we exist as a church to not just uh, simply come and have service, but to equip the saints to go and reach those who are far, that they would be able to be brought near. Why? Because Christ is our peace and the world is longing for it. Like starving, thirsty for peace. But it's impossible to have it, as you can see, apart from Christ. Like You can't have it apart from him. Now, most of, most of the time when we think about peace, we think about the absence of conflict, the absence of messes. Like diary, when you come home, we think, if I didn't have that, I'd have peace. The absence of difficulty, but that's, that's not really how the Bible speaks about it. In fact, Matthew chapter 10 says it this way. Jesus said, do not suppose that I've come to bring peace to earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. What? Well, which is it? I thought you were the prince of peace, and now you're not coming to bring peace, but a sword. Can I tell you that Jesus did not come to bring peace on earth? He came to bring on earth peace. But but I, I don't get it. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. A little confusion, Jesus. Sounds like you're talking out of two sides, kind of contradicting. But no, it's not contradicting at all. What he's saying is this, is that to those who receive me will have peace. But not everybody will receive the Prince of Peace. Not everybody is going to turn from their way and turn to him. And so as a result of that, we will always have conflict. In fact, he goes the distance and said, even some of your families might reject you. He said, for I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household because of me. Because not everybody is going to choose to receive him. And so because of that, we're going to have conflict. So peace, listen, peace with me, Jesus said, is not the absence of conflict. Just because you have conflict does not mean, or just because there's no conflict, on the other hand, doesn't mean there's going to be peace either. Just because there's no conflict, some people are living the easiest life, per se, and they still have no peace. We have people in our church today that have fled their country because they're believers. Persecuted for their faith we pray with them and we cry with them on a regular basis knowing that their family is still there and some have rejected them and some are still in harm's way it's real there's conflict not everybody is going to receive him peace is not the absence of conflict let's look at mary for a moment i mean think about mary she received christ in a way that you and i never will like right off the bat none of us are going to experience christ the way mary did per se But what happened the moment she realized and received what the Lord was doing in her life, what was the first thing that happened? Conflict. Like God was doing something new. The savior was gonna come through her and and it didn't come with ease, it came with great conflict. Like, come on, a virgin that's pregnant? What's the probability of that? Well, according to Joseph, before he had a revelation from God, it wasn't very probable. Right. Yeah. So you could imagine the instant feeling of hostility. Yeah. Not to mention she's on the run because the king wants to kill her boy. She has birth. Like you would think you're birthing the Savior would be a little easier. Right. Wow. Still super painful. Ladies, can I get an Amen. She's birthing the Savior and there's still pain. Can I just tell you sometimes God—sometimes the things that God births on the inside of us, they're beautiful, but they're painful. Yes. We want the absence of conflict. We don't have a good theology in America about suffering. We feel like if suffering is happening, something is wrong. But it's not just us. I mean, the Jewish people as well, they translated the Prince of Peace. They were hoping he would come and and overthrow Rome, end the conflict with Rome. That's how they knew that the Messiah would come. Surely, you're going to end this conflict with Rome. And when he didn't, when Jesus didn't, many people turned their back like, oh. And you're obviously not the one. But the Lord knows that the absence of conflict does not mean peace. And so Christmas boldly declares that peace isn't the absence of something, but the presence of someone. This is cliche. So many people say the same, but it's true. Don't let cliches that are true rob you. Don't let familiarity breed contentment in your your heart because... This is the beautiful reality that peace is not the absence of something, but the presence of someone. Jesus has a sense of humor when it comes to peace. I mean, he, he dies a brutal death on the cross. The disciples are like, bro, you're not coming back. Like, that's terrible. They did not believe Jesus was coming back. In fact, they were hiding after the cross, not wanting that to happen to them. They're huddled up, and they're afraid, and then Jesus comes in on a Sunday evening. The disciples were meeting behind locked doors. Key word, locked, yeah. because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them, and what does he say? Peace be with you. That's scary. I mean, these guys are human. The doors are locked, and he shows up. Like walks through a wall. Hey, guys, peace be with you. It's like, what are you talking about? Peace be with us. It's like, how can we, how can we have peace? You just walk through a wall. Like, is, this, is this really for real? And what Jesus was saying is you can have peace because I'm alive and because I'm with you. I rose from the dead. It's me. Came through a lot of conflict but it's yours, I'm here, Rome is still in power, it doesn't matter, you have me, you have the presence of the prince of peace, so so the question is, how do we get it, because some of you today, you're like, oh, cute message, I'm already saved, been saved a long time, pastor, Matt. I really, somebody really needs this message today, I guarantee I can find a chamber of your heart that there's no peace. A chamber that you have yet to invite the Savior into. Don't dismiss this. Don't act like, oh, yeah, cute, so cute. (laughs) Even your voice. Good job, buddy. Some of you are married. You have no peace. You're single. Come on, somebody and you're waiting, and there's no peace, financially, no peace, wayward sons and daughters, sometimes peace, it's a fight, sometimes peace, you know, as we kind of like take a landscape, the day-to-day pressure, sometimes peace, Just, just conflict, Some of you haven't laughed in a long time. Some of you guys haven't cracked a smile, no peace. Physical pain, sometimes peace. Watching the news, never peace. And so you know where you're at, and you have to be honest with the Lord. Because here's the reality is there's one there's one key element that if we have it, peace will be a byproduct. If we have it, it will really change the game. And anytime I get out from under this, a little peace tank starts to diminish, stop feeling whole. I go back to immature ways. I find myself in places of incompleteness. And it's it's a very simple truth of coming under the lordship of Christ. I don't think we talk about this enough. We talked about it like once this year. We always kind of weave it in, but, but Luke chapter two, it says, for there is born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Like, like, He's already the Lord of all things, but is He is He Lord over all of you, over all of me? Because many of us we say, "Yes, yes, I absolutely, Lord, you are the Lord of my life." But we don't understand that we call Him Lord, but many times we don't have Him as Lord. So, Lord has become a name rather than a position. Of leadership in our life in fact Matthew says it this way why do you call me Lord Lord and don't do what I say he said if I was really the Lord wouldn't you come under and trust what I'm saying I mean it's just it's I'm not trying to punch anybody in the face today but it's there you know one of the things I love about about vacation I love hotels I love the smell I love the beds the pillows Anybody at the end of a stay, you're looking at the bed. What is this bed? Where did you get these pillows? But, but I, I, I love it. I, I love everything. I love the cleanliness. I love the views sometimes when you have them. But you can shut the curtains and it just feels good. You're on vacation. And every time I'm, I'm on vacation, I experience the supernatural move of God where you can leave a room a mess, come back, and it's clean. Hey, you, you get home and you're like, Holy Spirit, where'd you go? <laughs> we left, we came back, it's still messed up. But but, but I love, 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 and I like to go prepared. I like to have a suitcase and my toiletries. and Because it's, it's funny, when you wake up in a foreign place, a lot of times you start reaching for things that aren't there. You get up, you reach for your phone where it's normally at. Oh, it's not there, what, where am I at? Or you get up, kind of stumble to the restroom, and you go for their, you know, the toilet paper, and it's like on the different side. You're like, whoa, where are we? What's going on here? <laughs> or or, or you're, you're going to brush your teeth, and, and there's just nothing worse than you forgot your toothbrush. Like it's, it, it feels so good to, to, to be prepared. Because you're in a foreign place, you start reaching for stuff that's not there, but but there's something incredible. Vacation is great, hotel's great, but there's something incredible about coming home, coming under the covering of your house. Now, if there's a lot of conflict in your house, that may be debatable. But if it is a house of peace, there's nothing like that in the world. Because you're coming in and there's a sigh. Because you know you have everything you need to survive on a daily basis is right there. And you walk in that door after vacation, and even though it may be a little tore up, it may be a little funky, it may even smell a little weird because you've been gone for a while. But you get home and you're like, we're home. And so I, I think sometimes we, we look at the lordship of Christ as a burden rather than a home. Jesus didn't say, I want to make your life miserable. He says, I I want you to make your home in me. I want you to abide in me. Abide simply means I want you to make your home in me. I want you to come into my presence. I want you to live and dwell. Do life with me. That every moment of your day, there is the potential and access. I have everything I need for life. And for godliness, the Bible says, everything I need to survive the day, I have in you. It's home. Lordship is not a burden. Lordship is home. And I think Acts chapter 10 says it good. It says, this is the message, the good news of the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through, here it is again, through Christ, who is Lord of all. John MacArthur would say it like this, if Jesus isn't Lord of all, is he Lord at all? And this is where the fight comes in. This is where you and I wrestle. When my kids were younger, we would go out in the rain, pop open the umbrella. They still want to do this, but it works a little bit better because they're older and they're taller. But they always want to hold the umbrella. And when you're four years old, that doesn't work for dad. I, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, we have a conflict. We have tension. But then when they don't get to hold it, you know what they do? They they would cry. They Like, fine. And then they would come out from under the umbrella. And then they're just getting soaked. And then they're crying cause, and mad because they're getting wet. But it's like, won't you come under? Like, like just, just. Just come up under. No, I don't don't, like, listen, daddy wants to cover you. It's cold outside. I got you. But it's such a fight for covering. It's such a fight because I want to hold it. I want to hold the reins. I want to control the narrative. I want to hold on to it. And it's just hard. It's hard to do that. Is he Lord of all? Like, daddy, I want to cover you. I'm not trying to hurt you. It's wet out there. See I think one of the greatest illustrations we get during Christmas comes from a very unfamiliar story. An unfamiliar story to most people, but it's there. And it's a story about King Herod. King Herod is an interesting brutal man. They said he was very very brutal. There wasn't many that have lived like him. He would be the guy next on American greed. Like he would be that guy times like a million. He was brutal, but he was a phenomenal builder. Phenomenal. But you didn't want to be close to Herod. You didn't want to be around that man. They said that he was such a good builder. Dubai pales in comparison to the progress that he made. they, They said that there's no modern day example that can equate with Herod's building progress an empire, but he was brutal. It would have been as Mary and Joseph came out of the cave in Bethlehem, they would have looked to the southeast and saw a huge man-made mountain called Herodian, still there to this day in in the Holy Land. And they would have looked out, they would have saw this man-made hill 2,500 feet. Herod was a guy that said, I want a mountain, build it, and tax the people 80 to 90% to get it done. That's just how he lived. This is what many, many people believe when Jesus was saying, if you say to this mountain, uproot yourself and throw yourself into the sea. Many scholars believe that he was speaking about Herodian. That, whoa, what is impossible with man is possible with God. But it was to declare a military victory. He, he wanted a mountain. And he wanted to brutalize people. To get his way he wanted to build a fortress it was it was designed as a as a victory of i am powerful he built a fortress in the desert in masada where king david would hide in caves from king saul he said if your greatest king hid in caves i'm gonna build a palace where your greatest king lived in a hole i'm going to live in luxury He despised the Jews so much, he built a a golden eagle, put it uh, right over the temple, a huge, massive golden eagle, a symbol of Rome's power, that every time they would go to worship, they would see this gold eagle and be reminded who's really in charge. Every time they're going to go to worship, let me let you know who's really God of this region. If you're a part of his family, it was dangerous. One wife died because he was suspicious, killed his son in the pool, because he thought he was going to try to overtake the kingdom. And he said, I know all you people hate me. So on my death, he ordered that all the royals be brought in, all the royal men would be brought in to a theater and slaughtered so that there would be mourning on the day of his death. No, that didn't happen. But that was his heart. He was brutal. And so Christmas gives us this little insight of a man that wanted to hold on to his kingdom. And he missed the Prince of Peace. He missed the one true king that shows up on the scene. The king that he desperately needed himself. So that Herod was so paranoid. He was always so tormented. He had no peace. But rather than coming up under the Prince of Peace, he says, no, I'm going to hold on to my kingdom. I'm going to hold on to my kingdom. And he missed what God was doing. That was for him too. You ever wonder why the Magi went to Herod? Herod had a reputation. Like, why would you even go to Herod? To talk about this newborn king? You know how paranoid this guy is? There's stories. There's, I mean, he was a legend, a living legend in their day. And I don't know why I'm speculating. This isn't the Bible. This is my speculation, but I'm... I'm just wondering if maybe that was the grace of God on Herod. Saying he's been born, man. There's an opportunity for you. The Prince of Peace is here. But instead of coming up under, Herod did whatever he could to kill him. To, to snuff him out. Rather than coming up under, he said, no, I want to be over. And as a result, there was no peace for Herod. Because peace is only found in Christ, there was no peace within, and Herod just continued to tear up everything and everyone around him. as they lived in fear, it led to the murder of every two-year-old boy and younger in Bethlehem trying to kill and destroy the prince of peace, holding on so tightly that it led him to destroy every I mean the most innocent of kids. That's horrific. Merry Christmas. That was the scene. And he's holding on. Holding on. I know like you sound, you hear about Herod and it. He's a monster. Like I'm making him look very kind. But man, we do the same thing. I I think sometimes we hold on to things that Jesus is inviting us to let go of. He's like, you're holding on so tight. Like that anger and that rage that you disguise as passion. He's like, ma'am, there's an invitation for you. Like that unforgiveness and that attitude, your ego, even though it's disguised under spiritual guidelines, because you got a little maturity under your belt, so to speak. It, you, you, you smell of it. And he's like, why don't you just let that go? Like, 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 there's peace on the other side of that. I mean, what, what are you holding on to that you just know God is asking you to let go of? Okay, if I can invite Daniel back up to play for me. Like, what, what is that you're holding on to that is, it's robbing your peace? It's bringing a disconnection between you and the Lord. And then you, what do you start doing when you don't have peace with God? There's no peace within And then like, Herod, you just start tearing up everything around you, especially relationships. And the Lord's like, I have something healthy for you. Let that go. But you're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to come under. I want to come over. Isn't that scary? Like when God is asking you and inviting you to let go, it's not because he's, again, a burden. He's the Prince of Peace. He's saying, come home. Come under my umbrella. It's so much better. It's so much better. You you think about Stephen in the, in the, the book of Acts. He's being stoned for his faith. Lots of conflict. He's just preaching the gospel like I'm doing right now, being plummeted to death. And he looks up like the heavens open and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the father and I love this picture is because he's he's under I'm I'm under I see you Lord and in the middle of that conflict there's the presence of someone it's not the absence of conflict he's in the thick of it there he's being hit in the head as we speak with stones they are trying to kill him they're not trying to wound him and he cries out in this moment he says lord like don't hold this against them lord forgive them what kind of a man does that a man that's peaceful a man that understands what it's like to sleep in heavenly peace a man that understands that 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 peace is not the absence of conflict he's dying for the truth but the presence of jesus in the midst of that conflict his story does not end the way we'd like our stories to end they kill him but his voice continues to live through generation and generation as a beautiful picture of we come under the lordship of christ in the most intense conflict we see the Lord, and it, the Lord can move us. There's a peace that can move you from a place of rage to a place of peace. God, don't hold this against them. Don't, don't hold it against them. What are you holding on to that God is asking you to let go of? I think sometimes we're afraid we're going to lose. If I let go, I don't. I'm so comfortable in the dysfunction. I'm so comfortable holding on to this. What if I let go? Matthew chapter 17 Maybe a little, little, one that's a little easier to palette, rich young ruler. Beautiful story, comes to Jesus, he's he's going to church, he's making sure he's at church on Christmas, He's, he's successful, he's popular, he's religious, but he has no peace, he's wealthy, and Jesus is like, what's going on, man? He said... I want this eternal life that you're talking about. And Jesus said, obey all the commands. He's like, I got that. I'm super religious. Jesus is like, yeah, but you don't have me. Like you go through the motions really, really good, but you don't have me. You got your check marks down, but you don't have me. Yep, you're at church every week, but you don't have me. He said, there's one chamber of your heart that I don't have access to. And it's your money. So he says, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and follow me. And the guy holds on. And he's like, I can't do that. I'm super wealthy. And it says that he walked away sad from that convert, holding on, but super sad. There's joy on the other side of letting go. I know sometimes... We can't see that. But Jesus made it very clear. He said, if you lose your life for my sake, he's like, you're going to find it. And, and how do we do that? You got to trust him as Lord. You got to come under that lordship like, God, you just know better than me. Because God can't put something new in a closed fist. And God is doing something new. I am mean, thinking about this. Herod, he could not see what God was doing because his fists were closed he couldn't see what God was doing because of what he was holding I just wonder today if God is saying hey maybe as small as it may be let it go let let, let it go like I'm doing something new in your life I know it's always been like this and it's been a little fracture but I don't you don't have to live like that anymore like the prince of peace is here the prince of peace is here and I'm inviting you to let it go Okay, true story. Can we have an honest conversation? I feel like I need a chair for this one. So recently, <clears throat> so when when I got my 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 second dog, my shepherd, it was funny because I felt like the Lord say, "Not yet," and I pushed it. <laughs> you know how we do that, right? Because at that time there were some other things happening, and I kind of need to focus my attention my kids you know obviously they're growing up they need a greater investment but also there were some other things that I felt like God really wanted me to lean into and and I pushed it and it's been great it's been amazing but recently I'm I I I felt that again like yeah I I probably need to do something with this dog because I'm not going to be able to do this and that at the same time so I called my I called the 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 lady I got her from and I said hey this is what's happening right now. And she's like, oh, that's all good. Like, just bring her back. No worries. And then I talked to my trainer, and he's like, no, no, no. We'll just, we can work a couple things, because I'm attached to this dog now. You know what I mean? Work so hard. Put in so much effort with her. And and so, like, last night, we've had, like, the best training sessions all week. She comes and lays in my lap last night. I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> and uh, so, so, my trainer's like, just... We, we can make it work. So I call the lady back. Call, she's a dear friend of ours. She, her name is Amina. She, they're like the, the best breeders, like legit, clean. Dogs are healthy. They run a tight ship. I was like, Amina, yeah, um, don't be mad at me, but I think I'm going to keep her. She's like, okay. And then she said, well, you know, I do need another female in my program. Like we, one female didn't turn out the way we thought. So, and, and I have the pick of the litter. And then she, so I was saying, "Do you want her?" And she's like, "Yeah, like I wish I would have kept one from the last litter." So then I just knew, like, "Oh." And so then I just was like, "Perfect, You're like you, you could have her back." You know, there's a greater vision in mind. She's gonna have puppies, and you know, there's a greater picture. But I gotta let go in order for that vision to come to pass. And so I take her back on Tuesday. And I'm going to, no, I'm not going to cry. I'm a grown man. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Grown men cry. I'm going to cry. But I know it's, I know God is in it. And I know that it's the right move. But can I just tell you, the voice of God was so subtle. He even sent, he sent Andrew into my life at that time. Andrew's like, Andrew was like a former police candidate. He's like, don't do it, bro. like, it's going to, you got a lot going on. Don't do it. And uh, he's like, you should get a bulldog. I was like, okay, didn't listen. So then the, the crazy story, we ended up getting a free bulldog, like the French bulldog. Somebody gives it to us for free a few weeks back. She's like really easy, she's like a cat. And, and, uh, and so I was thinking this week, I was like, oh my goodness, like I got a bulldog, I gotta let this one go. And So I just know that God is in it. But his voice in the beginning was so small He wasn't saying no, he was just saying not yet, I need you to let it go. And I held on. And it was great, but I'm sure some things have suffered on the journey. And so, if there's greater vision, you can let go. And you can be okay. I know the dog is probably a a bad example for your life. (laughs) But, this is my life! So what vision does God have before you that if you just let go, you can step into? And it's gonna bless other people around you. It's not just for you, it's for the sake of others. Stand to your feet, let me pray for you. I made it, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you so much, God. I feel my voice clearing up. It sounds bad, but I feel good. I'm going to preach another service in Jesus' name. No video today. But Lord, this is a moment of letting go. And so if you're here today and you say, Pastor Matt, maybe it just resonates with you. Just Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for some time, but there's some areas of your heart that you need to let go of and invite him into the conflict. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And today maybe that day. But you're going to have to let go of some things. It's going to be hard to see with a closed fist. So I'm just saying, open your hands to the possibilities of what God wants to do. So if you're here today and you say, that's me, Pastor Matt, would you slip up your hand? Just say, I need to let go of some things today. Yep, I see your hand so good. Yep, I see yours. Yeah, great. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, see your hand in the back. Both, yep, I see it. I see it. Come on, can we just pray a fresh prayer? Surrender today, all of us together. Just say, Lord Jesus. Lord, today I surrender. I don't want to just call you Lord. I want to come under you as Lord. I'm letting go. I'm inviting you in. Letting go of my kingdom that I might be able to embrace yours. The Prince of Peace. Peace. I invite you in every conflict with open hands, every chamber of my heart with open doors, and I'm asking you right now, in Jesus' name, that you would heal me, that you would restore me, and listen, there's some of you here right now that just say, Lord, I need you to save me. Just tell them right now, I need you to save. Lord, we believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. That you are alive and because you are alive in the midst of conflict, we can have peace because peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's the presence of you, the Prince of Peace, alive and well in our life. So Lord, for every Rome, every Rome, every battlefield that's represented here today. Lord, we pray that you walk into the the room of our heart, Lord, as we have open hands, and an open heart that you would walk in the way you walked into that room with the disciples and just declare peace be with you because I'm here. So Lord, we surrender today. We thank you for the beautiful reality of Christmas that we can walk and live in the midst of conflict in heavenly peace. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a big hand? Thank you again for tuning in to the Fountain Podcast, where our heart is to lead people to see Jesus clearly, love Him deeply, and follow Him wholeheartedly. You can also find more content by following us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and by downloading our app.